Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We're continuing our, our series and really finishing it um, today about what did you say, and we're, we're wrapping things up with this idea of the good gospel. And I feel like it, this is a timely... Uh, we've really just been trying to talk about all the really discernment this whole month and understanding what God says, His heart, and the what we're going to start with today is understanding questionable doctrines and the dangers that come with them. And I want to just be clear that, uh, like I say a lot, that these are this is our opinion, and so you may disagree with it. It's whatever. It's not a big deal. We don't have to kill each other. You know, it's <laughs> not a big deal. Um, but we we have uh, we have our opinions about these uh, specifically three different types of gospel messages right. um, that we're going to talk about today, and we're we're really going to be denouncing them of why we don't follow these kinds of gospels mm-hmm. um, or these kinds of doctrines, and all of the following theologies that that we're about to talk about have grounds of good intentioned focuses. Mm-hmm. They I, I really do have uh, even as I was researching more about these things. There's different aspects. That, that I can agree with and, and see the perspective of. And they have good intention focuses that carry some truths with perspective. Yeah. But I, we really believe that they have gone so far away from that very truth that they, it has turned into a place of forming one's own God and mm-hmm. not the God of the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to talk about, um, first we're going to talk about uh, what everyone is talking about these days, and that's progressive Christianity. It's new, it's hip, mm-hmm. it's modern, yeah, everyone it's loves cool. it. Yeah. Um, you really, you can just cuddle up to it like a teddy bear. <laughs> and um, the focus of progressive gospel is one of society, tolerance, compassion, and inclusion. I mean, God is a very inclusive God. He He desires for the entire world to be saved. Um, compassion is is God's heart. Um, he Jesus, when it comes to tolerance, Jesus hung out with the sinners and the prostitutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that when uh, when we read about who Jesus hung out with, like sinners and tax collectors. Yeah. And, and prostitutes is like, did, did he just throw in the IRS with the prostitutes? That's how bad the IRS is. <laughs> um, but it, it, it really puts so much emphasis on the inclusiveness of Jesus. And, and Jesus, it, all throughout the Bible, even like in, if you follow in our readings, like today's readings, we're going through, through First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, and it's, it's was talking all about government. It's talking all about society. And um, the idea that Christianity or our faith is not involved with uh, with government at all, without with society, is is just not true. Jesus was very involved with with everything in his culture and his society. Mm-hmm. So these are good aspects to focus on. But there's so much danger that comes in with progressive Christianity, and such as that it puts acceptance above scripture. Mm-hmm. It puts acceptance above scripture, and it practices. It, pra- it puts practice over the person of Jesus. Um, it gives the allowance of rejecting scripture that is different than a personal opinion. And it ultimately takes away glory from Jesus by saying he's not the only way. Yeah. 
Um, and so with all of these different gospels that we're talking about, I'm going to end by telling you how it takes away glory from Jesus. And I strongly believe that the best way to tell a doctrine being bad is simply by measuring if it takes away any glory from Jesus at all. If it gives takes away even an ounce of glory from Jesus or honor from Jesus Christ, then it's bad doctrine. It's as simple as that. Um, and this progressive Christianity is really, um, it focuses more on the idea that is mildly acceptable to all. Yeah. Like, God is love. Like, that's a pretty easy statement to yeah. make that people can get on board with. Um, and and if people do not like certain things that it says, then it's like, well, it's okay. It's the whole idea of God. Yeah. Um, it, it puts a lot of emphasis on following the teachings of Jesus or the way of Jesus rather than the person Jesus. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I said, it, it doesn't put as much, it, it, it gives allowance of rejecting the, like a lot of literal meanings of scripture to be just ideas of scripture. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's that, it's the idea that, well, that's, that's so old, you know, we're in the modern age. A lot of that stuff doesn't apply now. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that's totally bogus. We talked about earlier this month of how relevant Scripture is today and that the Word of God says that there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. I mean, even like we shared earlier, like all these conspiracies about um, political figures having like these satanic rituals of sacrificing children, so these pedophiles running rampant throughout politics. And it's like, oh my gosh, the world is in. Well, that's exactly what the world was like in the land of Canaan when, when God poured out his wrath over it and gave that it said that he literally took that land away from those people to give to the Israelites not because Israel was was exceptionally good but because they were so wicked mm. and every time he caused judgment against a people it was because it was a lot of what people are like scared about nowadays so anyway some scriptures to go with this like i said even within progressive christianity you can still get to heaven without Jesus. It's just like this whole kind of new age relativism, like all ways are good as long as you're a good person. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to share some scriptures of why, uh, just to back up of why this is just bad doctrine. Um, One is John 14, 6, where Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He's identifying himself as a person and saying you can't get there without me. He says he is the way, meaning the practice. He is the truth, that he is doctrine, that he is every idea, and that he is the life, that there's just no way around it. He's doctrine, he's practice, he is the embodiment of those things, and you can't do any of those without him. Um... Hebrews 12, 14 says, work at living in peace with everyone. Progressive Christianity works on that, and then it stops at the rest of the sentence. Mm -hmm. Then it says, and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Mm -hmm. See how like the Bible puts a lot of emphasis on holiness and the the idea that sin is something that we want to run away from. and then in the final verse I want to share is Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 19. And it says, this is Jesus talking, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment, 
and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And the emphasis on this verse is the idea of teaching like, well, that part, you know, if you don't agree with it, it's okay. Like, yeah. it's not important. And like, as long as you're here. And the Bible just, Jesus makes it so clear about like, you can't just pick and choose what you want to believe. And progressive Christianity gospel does that a lot. Yeah. Any thoughts you want to share on this topic of progressive gospel? Yeah, I mean, two things that come to mind when it comes to this specific gospel. And just so y'all, you know, we kind of shared at the beginning and know that this message is not so that y'all can now or we can go around and be like very critical of other yeah. churches and ministries. <laughs> like, oh, that's progressive. They're wrong. Or like, that's this. They're wrong. That's We've not been the... accused of being progressive. Yeah, I was like, like nah. have you even like heard anything? So anyways, but, but this is not at all to become critical or go judge other churches because a lot of churches, you know, it's easy to judge right off the bat without knowing the pastors, knowing the heart, knowing the foundation. And a lot of these churches, just like you kind of said at the beginning, they have good intention, but it, but it's very dangerous because with this specific gospel, it goes on the other side of what people may not have even intended to do and literally slip away from the message of Christ. Yeah. And so it's not to be critical, but it's important as Christians to know what church you're attending, what kind of doctrine you're involved in. Because I feel like so many times we're blind to it. Yeah. Um, we're blind and we just kind of go with whatever because, oh, I like it. Like, I like this ministry or this or that. But this is out there and it's important um, if you're really wanting to be a follower of Jesus Christ to understand what to look for. And two things it makes me think of when it comes to the progressive um, doctrine, gospel, whatever you want to call it, is... Um, Two things. I feel like um, within this, the the topic of repentance mm. is not there. Yeah. Um, whether they, you know, it's like, yeah, don't sin, just be good. But it, when it comes to like actual repentance, is a part of our Christian walk. Repenting from those things that that it's not just don't do all these fun things you want to do because that's sin. It's like no. It's uh, um, repentance is literally God helping you take steps away from things that are causing death and decay in your life, yeah. things that are not bringing life to you, things that are destroying you. Yeah. And we all know what that is for ourselves. We know those things that are not life giving, but literally cause death and decay. And this progressive movement, I feel like, avoids the topic mm. altogether. And all along, people are left sitting in their bondage and addictions and their sins and trapped, but going to church and feeling good, getting pumped up, but they're still trapped in the sin that is literally preventing them from having an actual close relationship with Jesus Christ. So I feel like in this uh, progressive gospel repentance is not talked about um or at least in in the with the importance that it should be because that is at yeah. the end of the day that's a part of our walk um and then the other thing is you know sometimes i notice i guess with this movement that like you're kind of talking about it's it's more about like um tolerance and talking about like the principles of jesus yeah. or the the practices of Jesus rather than Jesus. And I find like with this specifically, maybe messages that I hear and 
um, with, I'm trying to be careful with how I say it, but yeah. there's been messages or churches that I've either attended or heard where the whole message is like, was Jesus even talked about? Yeah. That was a good message. It's all about being successful or being positive or changing the way I think or, you oh, know. We're going to get into that next. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> but but just really all of um, just a positive message and then at the end it's like, stamp it with Jesus, yeah. you know. But Jesus is the essence of why we're even doing what we're doing and, and what the gospel is all about. So I feel like sometimes that's what I've noticed with this kind yeah. of doctrine and it can be dangerous and yeah. So, yeah and it's really powerful what you're saying I feel like the pro to progressive movement is that it really it really fights for inclusiveness and all acceptance mm-hmm. um, but the danger of it is that it really avoids confrontation yeah. on important aspects of the gospel um, that's what I was trying to say yeah, yeah. and so um, again uh, <laughs> I, I, when I was a good way to, to look at it is that it's a very liberal approach to um, Christianity. It's it I would compare it to the idea of being greasy grace, yeah. to where it's like eh, it's as long as you try to be a good person, it's all right. Yeah. Um, and the Bible like doesn't it talks a lot more about <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah. So let's go into the prosperity gospel. This is kind of I feel like an old school now. Yeah, progressive now is like is, yeah. yeah we're more into progressive movement. Prosperity is not as you know widely. Yeah. looked for nowadays but we're gonna go into it anyway um the focus on prosperity gospel is on self success mentality change and control and i really feel like the prosperity gospel it's it really teaches like this is where it was really promoted in church that you got to get it out of the victim mentality get it out of the welfare mentality and get into the the kingdom mentality mm. and <laughs> See, it's just an in you. Got to amen. And it, at first glance, it it really does sound good. Like some of those aspects are true, um, but what it really ends up getting into is that the universe bends to me. Mm. <laughs> uh, is it? It's it's where the name it claim it comes from, and it it's just like you have control to get whatever you want in the world, and God wants you to have it, mm-hmm. and. The, this idea that the universe bends to me, not even God behaves like that in Scripture. He does not force us to become believers. Think of yeah. that. Yet we try to force good things to happen to us. Like we're, you know, it's like, it's just, I feel like it's so obvious when you really break it down that this simple belief clearly shows the result of making yourself your own God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about you being able to control the universe and success and what happens to you by just speaking and changing your mentality. Um, the danger is that it puts personal desire over the kingdom and it puts the idea of control over God's will. Mm-hmm. It, it gives a false perspective that anything you desire is what God wants for you too. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, again, making you your own God. And so since uh, you believe that God wants it for you too, so you have the ability to name it, claim it, or speak it into existence. And it really takes away glory from Jesus. That's the big thing we look for is it takes away glory from Jesus by making him a means to an end. It makes Jesus or Christianity or God a means to an end for your successfulness. Mm-hmm. It, it, the end being whatever you desire or simply success. And I want us to just, just back up for a second. And let's look at the idea of like, like being rich. Um, people, God, godly people in the Old Testament, there's a lot of influential figures that were rich. 
um, like Abraham became will, well, very wealthy because God honored him and blessed him because of his faith. Mm-hmm. David, um, there, Job, there's a lot of people that we can look at. But when you look at uh, the, all the prophets in the Old Testament were all killed. <laughs> they were all martyred. Um, when you look at the disciples and the new Christians, you know, the early Christians, they were all killed for their faith and persecuted. Jesus told them that the world is promised, that Christians in the world are promised persecutions. And so what, what I really see is the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is that the Old Covenant gave you uh, some blessings for this temporary place, but it's still like, you know, so much that is left with death and destruction and, and the, the, the how, how much harder it was to live a righteous life. And with the new covenant through Christ, all of our sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus. We don't have to make any sacrifices for animals. We don't have to uh, do all these works to, to earn our forgiveness. And the, the reward is eternal. Yeah. Compared to the old covenant, where the reward was t- was only temporary, mm-hmm. uh, and so this idea of prosperity gospel it really makes me feel like you're trying to forget about Jesus and live in the old covenant of of getting earthly possessions when the the New Testament doesn't teach that at all. Yeah. Um, let me let me read y'all some verses in Matthew chapter six, verse nineteen through twenty four. This is Jesus talking. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal wherever your treasure is there is the desires of your heart will be also your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body when your eye is healthy your whole body is filled with light But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I feel like that verse just really encompasses this idea of prosperity gospel that it appears to be this light and this good thing, but it's actually a darkness yeah. to where you desire things instead of the creator. Yeah. It, it, you, desire, you desire the things of the, uh, that have been created rather than the creator himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me read another verse, Matthew ten thirty nine. Jesus says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And I feel like the ultimate thing with like prosperity gospel is that it's I am served rather I am the servant. Mm. And, and that's a I just feel like it's so focused on me, better my life, me, myself and I. And it has nothing to do with the betterment of the kingdom of God or reaching out to others. It's just me, 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 I, I, I. And and like I control God's will like by how I act and by how I pray. And it goes even into like the idea of healing that it's because if someone wasn't healed, it's because you didn't have faith to do it. You mm-hmm. didn't name it or claim it enough. Yeah. And it puts all the control on you rather than giving it to God. Mm-hmm. It's a, I feel like it's such a backwards idea of faith. What do you think about this? Yeah, um, I think with this one, what sticks out to me is it really is just like distracts you. Yeah. Um, it, it takes away the focus from 
Jesus and like a relationship with him and just um, serving him and in his kingdom. And really, it, it just like you've already explained, but I feel like it just really takes your focus off of yeah. the heart of our faith into other things, into the things that you want, the things you're believing for, the things that you're praying for, the things that you desire. And, and so a lot of times we're believing and praying for important things. Um, we're, we're having faith for, for great things to happen. But sometimes, you know, I remember um, there was a time in my life where I was learning all about faith. I was going to Bible college and I loved it and it really edified my faith. Yeah. Um, and I really grew during that time. But the, but I remember there was a certain period where it was all about faith and really teaching us to name it, claim it, literally yeah. write it down, just attract it. And it was just so engulfed in that. And yeah, there's some good things to get from that. Just like you said last time, take the meat, spit out the bones. But I realized that I became distracted. And I remember like praying for specific things and naming it and claiming it. And then be like, God, where is it? Why don't I have it? Like, not like literally like, God, where is it? But like in in my head or my heart, like I must not have enough faith. Like they're teaching, like my faith is so little. I'm not attracting it because I'm not believing in you and like doubting it. And I realized I was so distracted on these things that I didn't even need. It was material things I was praying for, but I had all that I needed. And God provides all you need. And if he got... I thought that I needed those specific things, I would have had it um, in his timing and in his way. But my point is, is I look back and realize it was a distraction. And I was literally, and it even caused me to doubt God and myself for petty things, petty things that were materialistic and for me, not to serve him or to grow spiritually or to serve others. Like it was just a distraction. It's just about being comfortable. I want to be more comfortable here on earth. Yeah. And you know, God loves blessing us. Yes, of course. You know, the New Testament even says like this verse, like if you ask God for a stone, is he going to give you a snake? You know, and doesn't God give good things to his children even more than um, earthly fathers can? At the end of the day, we're not saying God doesn't want to bless you or do nice things for you. Hello, look around. Like, it's all over. God didn't just save our souls, which is all he needed or not even needed to do, but the greatest gift we could ask for. But he gives us all that we need and more and even things to enjoy. But it's so important to not get distracted in the things of this world, just like that verse says, because at the end of the day, our treasure should be in heaven because all that we've accumulated, all that we have here on earth will fade away. You know, and so where our heart is focused on is what's really important. Yeah. So yeah, that's powerful stuff, Lauren. And and uh, I just I just keep seeing like the resonating focus of prosperity gospel is it's all about me, and it's it, it's heavily I feel like it's heavily based off of like the the book The Secret, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's TBH. it's the idea of of the universe just bending to your mm. beck and call. Yeah. And it's that's ridiculous. If you really like just practically look at scripture, the Bible tells us that our does God destine everybody to be rich? That he doesn't. He doesn't destine every person to be rich. It's just that's just not how it is. If every single Christian was was super rich, I mean that's just really not <laughs> that's just not how yeah, the world works. And that works. doesn't reflect the kind of Christian you are. I feel like that's a yeah. lie that people Think about believe. the widow with the two mites. Yeah. She was the poorest of the poor, and God honored her in the Bible forever. Exactly. You know, she's eternally honored, and she's the per- poorest person there. Yeah. That you doesn't know? reflect the favor that God has yeah. over you, or the love he has for you, or if you're a better Christian than the next. It has nothing to do with that, and I yeah. feel like it sometimes is um, perceived that way. Yeah, definitely. And so let's go on to the last one that we're going to talk about today. And this isn't necessarily one you can look up um, 
But I wanted them to all start with peace. So this mm. is the punishment gospel. Mm, that's good, <laughs> um, It's like the classic fire and brimstone kind of gospel. Mm. And the focus is on consequence, on sin, condemnation, and fear. And these are actually all good things. These are all real things in Scripture and the Bible. And... Um, it, and these are all things that God teaches us. I mean, there's when you read about um, like David, he had consequences to his actions yeah. numerous times. Sin is why Jesus died on the cross. Yeah. Yet, you know, it's not a, it's not something that can be avoided talking about. Why else would we need to be saved unless it was because of our sin? Right. You know, there there's a condemning judgment awaiting the earth. That that's real. There should be a fear of of eternity there should be a fear of god in the sense of like a real god that's going to hound held us accountable that that's a that's a good thing um the danger that comes from this punishment style gospel is that it puts works above grace what i can what i do the the holiness i admit yeah. uh, um is greater than the blood of jesus and it puts the fear of punishment over the love of god yeah. and it really paints a false reality of one being able to earn God's redemption through holiness and often vilifies anyone that is struggling with sin. And uh, the, the way that it really takes away glory from Jesus, again, that's where we look out for it. It takes away glory from Jesus by simply saying that the payment on the cross was not enough for salvation yeah. and that, the more, that more works are required. And so... I'm going to read some verses before I share anything else. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10, it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, not by your works, but by believing in your heart. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Mm -hmm. And so... Again, it's the, the Bible shows so much grace that the payment was truly paid by Jesus on the cross. In Romans 8, uh, 1 through 2, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Okay, so let me finish this verse. That's where usually people stop and say there's no condemnation at all. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Mm. So again, there's this aspect that there's no condemnation if you're pursuing a Christian-like life. Yeah. You know, there's, a, there's still a pursuit of repentance, yeah. but there's so much grace that comes with it. Mm -hmm. um, to where while you're pursuing that, you shouldn't feel any condemnation while you're struggling or if you're pursuing Jesus with your heart. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. This is probably the best one against the fire and brimstone tactic, the, the punishment gospel. Mm -hmm. And... It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged for God will judge you as you judge others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Mm. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see the past, the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the speck. Uh, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll be, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. The reason I wanted to share this verse specifically is that it, Jesus is really painting a picture of like, hey, chill out, like they're they're doing their best, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's telling he's telling this to the Pharisees, 
to do not judge others. Do not yeah. judge your fellow, uh, your fellow Jew. Do not judge those who are working on it. Um, you have plenty of stuff to deal with yourself. It, it makes me think of all the way back when we first started uh, the church and we did a free hugs event at the Alamo. Yeah. And right down the street from us, we, were, we just were, had signs that said free hugs. Yeah. And we just wanted to show people the love of God. And we gave a little scripture card that said, uh, cool. yeah, and we gave little Bibles out to everybody that came up for a hug. I mean, there wasn't one person that was upset with us, mm-hmm. except, <coughs> except for another group of punishment gospel Christians yeah, that were holding signs saying hellfire and yelling at everybody through a microphone that you're going to hell. Literally, though. And we, and I, before we left, said, let's go give them a hug. They need one. <laughs> and while we were coming up, again, we're fellow Christians, church members, giving out scriptures and Bibles to people and telling them that Jesus, you know, is, is real, that Jesus loves them, all that. And as we're walking up, I shake my little sign that says free hugs and guy starts yelling at me, you're going to hell. <laughs> I was like, we're Christians, dude. And he said, well, your son needs to say repent on them. And I said, well, <laughs> we're, while you're out here telling everyone they're, uh, they're sick, we're telling them who the doctor is. Mm. And the guy got, he was not looking to, to like band arms as fellow Christians. He's just looking to accuse me. Yeah. And I feel like that, that's really the heart that comes with punishment gospel is it turns into just the accuser. And the, the Bible describes the devil as being the accuser. The devil, think about that. The, the devil is filled, you know, invented sin, and it goes around accusing mankind of sin. Yeah. And often with this punishment gospel, it's such a high standard of holiness that not even the people declaring the standard are able to meet themselves. Yeah. There's so many stories of these fire and brimstone pastors or preachers or Christians that have these crazy wild sin in their life. You know, even I think not too long ago, we were accused of being progressive Christian, you know, people that weren't preaching truth. It was like, uh, you got to listen to a message before you make a kind of accusation like that. And while accusing us of being not real Christians, it came out that they were having like all kinds of sexual sin in their life. And so it's like, that why don't you measure the standard to yourself before accusing everybody else? Would yeah. you hold up to the very standard you accuse of others of? Yeah. And again, this punishment gospel just it's not really practical. We talked about at the beginning that the progressive movement is greasy grace. Well, this punishment gospel is like there's no way to enter in. There you're not good enough to to really be saved. And often I find when dealing with people like that, I'm a pastor and I by their accusations i'm not able to be saved you know and it's ridiculous it's just absurd and so um it's another gospel that's just it's not as much talked about but it's just a one that we needed to touch on before moving on anything you want to say on this one lauren no i mean i think with this one um, like you said we've encountered different people Mm -hmm. that are actively um in this one if that makes sense and um I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's people who feel like they are God's like hitman. Yeah. Uh, like you've said that before, but yeah. they are the ones going around doing God's job. And what the Bible says is that there will be a judgment day, and the judge will be God. Yeah. You know, so this verse is clearly saying we are not the ones to judge. We are not the ones to go around and find sin in your life and say you need to deal with that or you're going to hell. The Bible says that they will. People will know God by the way we love them. I probably 
paraphrased it a little bit, but there's a scripture that literally says that people will be able to see God by the way, by the way that one we love them. So when we go around, our job here on earth is to love people to Christ. That doesn't mean like the first one we talked about progressive, like, oh, la da da, like grace, do whatever you want and everyone's saved and everything's yeah. good. No, our job is to love people to Christ, not scare them and, re- and show them yeah. the sin that they already know that they're living in and struggling with and saying, if you don't fix it today, you're going to hell. <laughs> the Bible right now. talks about sanctification. It's a process, you know, getting rid of all these things, right? All the sin that this gospel points out. But the thing is, is that God is the judge. We are not, and our job is to love people to Christ, not judge them and tell them and scare the heck out of them and say, you will burn eternally. Like who wants to burn eternally? Nobody. And that's not even God's heart for us. Never was and never is. That's why he offers us this salvation because he loves us, you know? And so, yeah, I just like we're not God's hitman and like God's yeah. got his job covered, you know. Yeah. I, I even for me, I've talked to so many different people about like about God, especially when I was like doing odd jobs and driving for Uber and I talked to to dozens and dozens and dozens of people about God and never once were they offended by the way I talked about my faith to them and they they left feeling even if they didn't want to convert right then and there um, they left feeling edified and having like a good conversation with somebody about it without flipping out. Yeah. And, you know, what I really believe is that that the Bible makes it so clear that Jesus is the judge. And so even when people are like, so do you think that this person's going to go to hell? It's like, well, thank God that's not my decision. Yeah, like, exactly. I don't have to be the judge of that. Mm-hmm. That's between them and God. I don't yeah. know their their innermost being. Yeah. That if That's like saying, oh, this person's so great. Do you think they're going to go to heaven? I don't know what they're really struggling with. It, yeah. Think about Jared from Subway. He was oh, a pedophile. Gosh. You know, he seemed like the nicest guy on Subway promoting yeah. weight loss. And he was a, mm-hmm. imagine guy. if I said, man, that guy's going to heaven for sure. Don't ever say anything bad about him. Now it's like, oh man, I would have been dead wrong. You know, we don't know people's hearts. Only yeah. God does. And so who am I to say someone goes to heaven or hell? That's a foolish accusation yeah. to make, a foolish judgment mm-hmm. that I don't even have the authority to make. Mm. That's between them and God. And so again, this punishment gospel really tries to, I feel like it goes under the line of trying to take control again and has this perception that you know more than you really do. Yeah. Um, and so these three different gospels that we're talking about is, is progressive, uh, prosperity, and punishment. Um, I really feel like it, it, you see so much extremes in it. Progressive, it, even like how Lauren was saying it a, a second ago, like it seems like punishment is all about like um, you know condemnation and hate, <laughs> mm-hmm. while progressive is all about love and butterflies and rainbows. Well, think about this: that to lie to somebody or to withhold truth is that love? No, that is not an act of love. That is an act of selfishness because you don't want to confront something because you feel uncomfortable talking about something that might offend somebody. You act as selfishly when you withhold truth from them. And so that's what the progressive movement does is that it steals the opportunity for someone to know the truth. Mm-hmm. And so it's wrong. And, you know, I, I won't go more into it. I think you guys get a good picture. Yeah. Um, it really leads us to the, this idea of the power of balance and absolutes within healthy doctrine and faith. The power of balance and absolutes. Absolutes are always and nevers. Balance is, you know, balance. So let's first, uh, let's talk about this idea of God's character and word. I really believe that 
to have a good sound doctrine for yourself. You know, I, I feel like the idea of um, whatever denomination someone would want to reside in, I feel like you really just have to understand like an, your own personal idea of doctrine of what you believe and why. And the best way to develop strong and good doctrine is simply by better understanding God's character throughout the Bible. There's, if, if you just try to, to label things and say, well, God punishes sin or God gives consequences for this, it's such a blanketed statement. It's actually really shallow because when you see scripture, there's times where the sin was punished right away. And there's other times where it's like God was so gracious and forgave the sin or even promoted even while like uh, while sin was happening. Like it, there's a verse in, I believe, Isaiah where the devil is in a prophetic vision. The devil is accusing the high priest of sin. And so, and God replies saying he's like a st- that the priest is like a stick snatched from the fire. Of course he still smells like smoke. Saying that in this sinful culture he's in, he's doing his best. Of course he still smells like sin, and still struggling with things because he just got pulled from the fire. It's going to take time for that the fire of sin to go out. So God defends him there. And then when David simply takes a census, which was against the the king, the king was commanded not to do in scripture. It was a huge punishment where all of Israel was punished for something that seemed like not a big deal. When Moses struck a rock instead of spoke to the rock uh, in, in, uh, in Numbers, it, it, showed, it says that he was not even allowed to enter the promised land. He didn't even do anything necessarily like blatantly sinful. He disobeyed oil, uh, an, uh, a command of God like mildly, and he was punished severely for it. And so... We, you have to really read scripture and to understand all of the scripture, all of the Bible, to get a better scope of God's character. Um, in Romans chapter eleven twenty two, Paul says, Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe to those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And it, it's just like giving this imagery that um, that that God is both wrathful and merciful. He builds up and he also tears down. He gives grace and he also gives judgment. And reading through all of scripture gives a full scope on the character of God and a more clear image on how he operates and treats at every different situation. Because not every situation is the same. And so that's the first step is understanding God's character. And the second step is really just um diving into his words so that you can pull out absolutes for your faith. And by looking for the clear absolutes that are unchanging in scripture to be your foundational beliefs. For example, the biggest one that should be for every Christian is that Jesus makes it very clear that he is the only way to heaven or to the Father and that there's no wiggle room there. That's an absolute to where it's like, well, you know, it's like the idea of it. No, it's it's very blatant. It's very simple and course. It's just, that's it. And the same goes for the resurrection. Um, Those are unchanging absolutes that are just straight on. And there's also certain sins. There's questionable sins. Like the idea, like the the question of the age is like, is drinking a sin? Mm -hmm. You know, like that's questionable. You could pull out scriptures that say it's okay. You could pull out scriptures that that say that's not okay. Um, What about masturbation? Like, oh man, that's a questionable sin. There's not, there's not specific scriptures that you can make an absolute clear claim that it is or not. And so, those questionable sins are things that that yes pray about and like deal with but 
we're talking about like to make a foundation. You need to really get clear absolutes that are unchanging uh, about sin in your life so that you know what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can do that is by reading through scriptures so you can get some, some really clear things. Um, I want to share one last verse on this topic, and it's Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, living a holy life, a kind, the kind that we, he will find acceptable. You know, here Paul is saying, I plead with you, just just do your do your best and be don't you see all that God has done for you? And so here he's saying, live a holy and acceptable life and let that be your worship. And I mean, when I think about this, it just really makes me think about the idea of reading the Bible. I mean, I know that it's like the the hardest thing for any Christian to do, right? It's like I just can't read it, I just can't get into it, I can't I don't have time. I, I've heard almost every excuse imaginable. Yeah. Um but guys look, like at the end of the day, we Netflix binge how long? Yeah, we scroll honestly. through Facebook for how long? This message is how long? Yeah. We have an hour long message but we can't take five minutes to listen to the Bible. Um. You know, when if we really just like let's get brass tacks it's less than nine percent of christians read the bible themselves and this scripture just speaks to me like after all that god has done for you isn't it just isn't this something that you can just do to find out more about your creator yeah is just learn about him so that you can better your faith and it's so edifying you learn so much by just reading it yourself um and that's really how you build on this balance. Um, what do you have to say about this, Lauren? Yeah, I mean, um, I think just like any like any relationship, the more you know the person, the more you love them. Like, the more you um, understand them and, and go through things together and understand their character and what makes them tick, as Homer says, you know, um, the more that you love them and understand them and are able to really um, work together as a couple or whatever relationship that is. And it's the same with God, you know, the more that we know him and understand him, the more that we can have that strong foundation that we understand, like, you know, we hear these different doctrines and you have a foundation of the word and you're able to more easily um, understand like okay yes or no like and not yeah. going there or that makes sense because it's biblical and I don't think it's fair for us as Christians to pull out maybe maybe we've read one book of the Bible or one story and that's like we feel like oh you know yeah I know a little bit um, and, and the, but you make your judgment off of that one story one scripture one yeah, book of the Bible and that's very common to the point where um, you know even some of these uh, doctrines have based their doctrine off of one instance in the Bible, one story in the Bible, and every story gives a different perspective and understanding of who God is and what He's all about and what the kingdom's about. And so you have to see it as a whole in order to really understand the whole picture, if that makes sense. So it's not fair to just pull, pick, and pull and make your judgment off of that. 
And but always remember, like we've said before, we we think it's so important and know it's so important to get into the word, to understand it for yourself as a Christian. But also know it takes time. Like Homer also says, yeah. how do you eat an elephant one <laughs> bite at a time? Right? Is what you're saying. Yeah, that's what um, you can't just read the whole Bible in one sitting because you're like, oh, I'm a Christian now. I was told that I should read the Bible, so oh my gosh, I don't know anything, and you feel con- condemned and you feel overwhelmed and intimidated because you want to read it. Just chill out and start reading it. You yeah. know, just there's different ways you have questions like how do i get into it we can share some ways that worked for us um and give you some guidance but just take it day by day but get into the work because it really is life-changing and it's not hard to understand just find the right it's 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 actually really enjoyable when you get what the right bible the right way to get into it and you'll like it like just trust me if you really need help just message us and we'll walk with you yeah um you know, going into the, I really want to go into a practical approach. You know, we, we're really trying to lay the foundation of scripture, but I want to give us some practical approaches to this of good doctrine. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, Mm. the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. The, the, I really feel like this verse is so encouraging, and it describes this, this walk of faith like a race. And he's really just, he's not saying, um, he's saying strip all these things that slow us down, meaning that you could still be carrying things that are weighing you down, but you're not disqualified. Mm. And, and I feel like a lot of times we get like that, so we're like, I'm still struggling with this, I suck as a Christian, I just should run away from mm-hmm. faith. I, I'm never going to church again, I just can't. It's like, dude, just calm down. Like, you have to. Maybe you've been carrying that thing for years, and you're still trying to unbuckle that that harness that has been on your on you for so long. There's something that you could just drop right away. Other things, it's taken you a while. It's taken. It took years of you doing being in bondage to this sin or being in bondage to this. It might take a couple years for you to be free from it. Yeah. You know, like. Just th- you got to give yourself some grace, but it's the idea of walking towards Jesus. And this verse, what it really makes me feel is that you got to just that faith in Christianity is more so just about doing your best and forgetting the rest. Yeah. And I found more and more as a Christian that Christianity is not about being perfect, but uh, simply doing your best and moving forward even when your best doesn't feel that great. Mm. I mean, Guys, I'm I'm an extremist, okay? Like when I first gave my life to Christ, like I was ready to fight other youth leaders because they weren't scrubbing the car right at a car wash and it was dishonoring to God. Like, <laughs> like I remember the the first car wash I ever went to and I was like scrubbing the heck out of these bugs. I was in that youth group like barely a month. Yeah. And I volunteered and they were just letting the car go without scrubbing. I was like, we're representing God here. But honestly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember I was still scrubbing, and they're like, hey, man, just let it go. And this guy was like, hey, man, stop. The, just let it go. And I got up, and I was like, back up. <laughs> like Everyone 
felt really weird around me after that because so I was Christian. I was ready to fight for the gospel. I didn't realize Amen. I was supposed to be persecuted for it. I thought I was ready to fight the mm. good fight of faith. Mm, that's good. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is that, you know, I was so zealous and the minute that I started having, you know, areas that I realized I wasn't perfect in and that I had mistakes and that I had flaws and and I felt so discouraged and horrible about myself, so much shame, like I can't believe I'm not good enough. And I realized more and more that that the difference between me and uh, me and others is that I knew my junk, but I couldn't see everybody else's. Mm. That was the only difference is that theirs was still hidden while I could see my own. Yeah. And no matter, I feel like the the idea of the Sunday suit really just causes more people to fall away from the faith than anything else. Yeah. Because you just get this perception that everybody else is perfect but yeah, you. Yeah. And it's they're not. No one is. Yeah. And we just really, it's so much about just doing your best and forgetting the rest. Even if your best is 30% that day, you did your best. Just live with it. It's okay. Yeah. God understands. That's what God's grace is for. But when your best, you feel like your best is 100%, then hell yeah, that's great. Good for you. Um, and I believe that that looking forward is truly looking at Jesus, the person Jesus. Mm. And he, he says that he is the way, he is the truth. And that when we look at practices or teachings as ways to live by, like, oh, I got to do this. I, I have to learn about this. I, and if you make it so much about what you do for God or what you do for Jesus, you, I feel like you often lose sight of Jesus himself. Mm. It, it's we fall to the right or left uh, of the path because we're trying to uh, go back to this idea of earning or learning enough to be redeemed by God. Yeah. When simply the the closer you get to Jesus, the more you just it's like an, a reaction. Is that the the a reaction of your faith is that you produce good works. Mm -hmm. It's a reaction of your faith. The closer you get to Jesus, that all of a sudden you're inspired with wisdom and knowledge of Scripture because you are close to the heart of God. Mm -hmm. You know, I, even when preparing messages, I find that the best messages that I've given have not been the ones that I studied so much for, but more so the times that I prayed the most for mm -hmm. and the times where I spent more time in worship and prayer than I did even in... Uh, and trying to prepare. Mm -hmm. And it's all about just like looking at Jesus the person rather than all the works or all the teachings or all blah, blah, blah. Just do your best and forget the rest. Um, what do you have to say about this this little sub point, Lauren? Yeah, I mean, it just doing your best and forgetting the rest, that concept of our faith really just makes me think of God's mercy. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we hear about his grace, we hear about his goodness, but then like sin and like we're trying, like it's, we're trying to find the balance and all. But at the end of the day, like, God has mercy for that percentage that we feel is not our best. Like, He's not asking us and never has to be perfect. Just as long as our heart desires Him, our heart is pursuing Him to live a life that honors Him, like, His mercy covers us. Like, He is just such a merciful God. And that, I feel like, for Christians, even for myself many times, it's hard to understand that. Because our, us as humans, are very, it's very hard to be merciful. Yeah. You know, we want, we want people to feel it when they hurt us or wrong us. But God doesn't work that way. Like He is, it's it's a different concept to understand. But He is so merciful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what it makes me think of. Yeah, powerful. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> it's it's not like we're saying, um, like, oh man, well, you know, I murdered somebody today, but no one's perfect, right? Yeah. Like, mercy. <laughs> no, yeah. like, yeah, like no. you need to stop killing people. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you need to go turn yourself in. That's yeah, crazy. Honestly, yeah. 
Um, and so it's, we're talking about like pursuing Jesus and we're not talking about greasy grace, but we're talking about like, you know what what we're saying, just like doing your best and forgetting the rest. Like don't get caught up in petty little things, but like absolutes are still important. Mm -hmm. Um, and finally, uh, you are responsible for your own faith. This is a big one. Um, as we're getting ready to close and it's that no matter who you listen to or follow, you will have to give account to God for your own faith and actions. Mm-hmm. Even if you were misled by a bad doctrine or a bad teaching, it's your responsibility alone to check what you feed yourself. That's okay? Powerful. And in James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just listening to what people tell you and you're not actually acknowledging the word of God yourself, you're just acting foolish because you don't really know what you're listening to. Uh, um, it's, it, it's so important to not be so willing to believe whatever voice speaks to you on a given day. You must, the Bible says you must test every spirit to see if it is from God or not, to see whether it is truly edifying to your faith or not. Are you being led astray or are you being led to Jesus? Yeah. It's a really important thing to grasp is that you are responsible for that. So often, I guess it's like our American world, that we want to shuck our responsibility onto others. It's mm-hmm. like even the idea with like kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, uh, it's the school's fault that my kids are so bad. It's like, mm-hmm. nah, dog, like, yeah. <laughs> like you're the parent. They you gave birth to them. Am. You gave birth to them. Like you're responsible for your kids this the school, you know, yeah. e- even if they're going to public school or whatever, like you're still responsible for them, mm-hmm. um, you know. But we have this mentality that it's it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault, and especially with our faith, there's no one else's fault but our own because we allowed someone to speak into our lives that was not true. Yeah, y'all feel what I'm saying? And we're saying that with us too. Look, we could just be these crazy sidewalk we prophets, could, right? Yeah. Like parking lot prophets that think that they're greater than they really are think that they know stuff when they don't know anything guys y'all need how would y'all know if we're really actually telling y'all the truth we could just be lying (laughs) (laughs) y'all you know like you 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 could be completely led astray if you don't read scripture yourself and just because we're really good looking you believe us i mean think about that that's crazy (laughs) um so uh i I hope that that's meaningful anything you want to say about that we're going to close out on this last point I mean, not really. I just really think that was a powerful point of like um, just just being responsible for it and not just letting just listening to whatever and going with the flow. Like we've talked about many times, you know, um, knowing the word and making decisions off of that for your faith. Yeah. And like that's Yeah, that's it. Amen. Amen. Um, and so we're closing up on this last thought and it's seeing God's heart clearly to better live out your faith in the right way. Mm-hmm. I feel like we we understand we've got a lot of ideas about doctrine, about absolutes, about what not to believe, the dangers of bad gospels. Um, But really seeing God's heart clearly helps us to live out our faith better. And there's three things that we we need to look at when understanding God's heart. And that's the heart of the kingdom, the heart for the world and the heart for the individual. And um, and when it comes to the kingdom, Matthew chapter six, verse 31 through 33 Jesus says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Mm -hmm. Jesus is saying, seek the kingdom of God above food. 
He's, notice that right before that he's saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? He's saying the kingdom of God is, is so much bigger than even you being hungry. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been like hungry, hungry, like on the street hungry. I remember the times where I stole for food because I was hungry. I one time got into a fight with my best friend over a frozen pizza. I mean, like I'm talking about hungry, like you were ready to fight somebody for that food. And Jesus is saying, seek the kingdom of God above your own nourishment. He's saying the kingdom of God is so much bigger than you. So get off of yourself. Stop focusing so much about yourself. The kingdom of God is bigger than that. And you got to understand that God's ultimate focus is the kingdom. It is the eternal forever place that he inhabits and controls and has prepared for mankind and even supernatural beings that we don't even know about. And it is the ultimate end game. Not this world, which is temporary, and not the single betterment of one individual to be comfortable here on earth, which is only a temporary place. Now, understanding that about the kingdom, that's the end game, that's the focus, even more than our own nourishment. That's what Jesus is telling us. And now let's look at the world, the whole world. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 through 3, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your own evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. I want to emphasize that, that he's saying let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Mm. And don't copy the customs and behaviors of the world. Prosperity gospel, that's all copying the customs of this world. That's all desiring the things of this world. And he's saying that to, so that you will learn to know God's will for you, not your own will, yeah. but learning God's will. And the world is a temporary, place, a temporary holding place for us as creation and, until we are joined with God in heaven. The world was intended to be a place where we meet with God. Even in the garden, it was a meeting place with God. He would meet Adam and Eve there. And when it was corrupted by sin, it became a wedge instead. Even though it is broken, painful, and full of corruption, God's desire is for all of the people of the world to be saved before it is destroyed by fire. The people of the world is the bigger picture compared to just me, myself, and I. And that leads us to the final part of the individual. And there's a couple verses I want to share real quick. We're, we're ending. That is why I tell you, in Matthew chapter verse 6, verse 25 through 26, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you more valuable to him than they are? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 through 31, it says, What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? A, <clears throat> but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your Father knowing about it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. You know, I want to just say here, guys, that while we learn how very little we are in the world... 
and about how our mission is to serve instead of to be served, God knows us how God shows us how important every single individual is to him to the point where every hair on our head is numbered. His kingdom is so vast and greater than we can imagine, yet he cares for even just the one person. He cares even just for you. That's how special you are to him. Um, and as Instagram is, is rebooting up, I want you to really focus on this idea that we're sharing is that that the kingdom is greater than the world. The world is greater than us. That we are so little in the scope of things. But yet, it says, uh, the Bible is saying that, he, that every individual is so important. Scripture says that he leaves the 99 just for the one. And here it's saying that he knows how many hairs are on top of your head. Knowing how many hairs you have is an insignificant detail of your life. Yet he does it. Uh, he knows it. Be, he cares to know be. Uh, he knows it because he cares to know that about you. He does care about even the individual. The Bible says even when one sinner comes to repentance, when one person comes to Jesus, that all of heaven rejoices. The kingdom place that we're all going to as Christians, that place that's our mission, rejoices for even one individual to be saved. And so even though it has, it's not about us, that we should stop being so selfish and so self-centered it, that the, the kingdom of God is so much bigger than us, all of the kingdom rejoices when we came to Christ. Yeah. That's how important every individual is to him. So with that being said, I want you to think about this aspect of God, how he's so, so great yet so personal. And if you are listening to this and there's a part of you that says, man, I, I really didn't know this kind of gospel. I only heard bad gospel before. And maybe you're at a point where you need to make a decision to start a relationship, a real authentic walk with Jesus today. Not because of your family, not because of your traditions, not because of your history, not even because of your circumstances, because you're going through something right now, but because you are seeing Jesus as the person Jesus. That's what you need to make the decision for. If that's you, do what Romans said, what we read earlier, is that you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you believe Jesus is who he said he is. Mm -hmm. That he died on the cross for our sins, the world's sins, your sins, and that he rose from, from the grave. When he rose from the dead, that proved that everything he said and everything he did was real. Mm -hmm. And it proved that his payment on the cross was valid to where we have true forgiveness of our sins. If, you, uh, if that's you, I want you to make a prayer. You don't even need us to lead you through it. Just make it personal and authentic and talk to God right where you're at. And if you really, really need some help, message us later and we'll walk you through it. Mm -hmm. um, and if you did make that, if you do make that prayer tonight, please message us so that we can connect with you as a church family so that you don't have to walk this journey alone. We want to walk along beside you um, so that you don't have to be alone through this. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to have community. Um, with all that being said, was that uh, how do you feel about this message, Lauren? Oh tonight? man, it was it was fire, babe. <laughs> I really loved it. And I really like fire and brimstone. Or? No, no, oh, okay. not even. No, I just really enjoyed it um, and being able to share it with you and um, just like at the end of it too, like you just sharing like the at the end of the day, like the heart of God, like He's the, you know, He cares. His ultimate focus is the kingdom, but He, you know, He cares about us as an individual in our hearts and that's what he, he yeah. what he did was for us you know and so it's just awesome and yeah. i loved it yeah powerful stuff well thank you guys for uh sharing uh for being with us today thank you for everything um 
for listening and uh, and being a part of Grape Top Church. If you have it on your heart to connect with us, um, please send us a message. Please connect. Um, don't wait till next time. Don't wait till next month. It now is the time to connect. And if you have it on our, on your heart to give today, you can give by going to gravetop.com. Click the Give tab, and you can give online straight from there. You can also give through third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. You can even text to give. All the information is on our website, gravetop.com. And especially if this has become your home church via online, <laughs> um, and you want to start making the Gravetop Church the church that you tithe to, you know, tithing is such an amazing thing that God implements in Scripture. And your, your giving, your generosity, your tithe, whatever it is, it truly helps us to be able to make these messages each week, to be able to focus on what really matters and in, in, uh, in spiritual aspects and scriptural aspects. And it's what causes us to be able to connect with people. Um, now across the nation, it's been kind of cool yeah, being online to where people. we have uh, people from North Carolina shout now. Out, yeah, North out. Carolina, what's up? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we really would not be able to do that without those who give. So we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for trusting us with uh, with that stewardship. And we really want to honor and, and we take it seriously when, uh, when you trust us with that. With that being said, we love y'all so much. We hope y'all have a great rest of your evening. Um, and we're also going to be doing a gender reveal tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. So look on our personal page and you'll be knowing if we have a boy or a girl or I don't know, like a monkey or something, uh, or, yeah. um, or a dog. Um, if it's <laughs> not a kid, a baby. you know, yeah, yeah, a baby. Okay, but um, with all that being said, we love y'all so much. Uh, we hope y'all have a great rest of your evening. Mm-hmm. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.